Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Wednesday, February 8th edition of the Basement Academy. A morning psalm is short and sweet. It is one of the pilgrim psalms as the people of God would make their way up to Jerusalem for the holy festivals. And it extols the blessings and virtues of family life, of domestic life, we could say it that way. It comes, as our Hebrew scriptures do, in the language of the, um, the father or the patriarch, but the blessing is upon all who, who abide in that family. And so uh, this is Psalm 128. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. Thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion all the days of your life. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem and may you live to see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Hmm. Just six little verses. And so the, the blessing is pronounced upon the husband, upon the father, but it is meant to, to encompass all. Certainly the wife and the daughters are uh, in, involved and blessed as well uh, in our modern day understanding, you know, there are some who are offended by this language and we, we are not, we do not do well to impose our contemporary understanding of justice upon the scriptures and then therefore discount the scriptures. Some do that, sadly. Um, some within our own parent denomination uh, would, would object to some of this language here as if it excludes women. It, it's a fact. Men are on the whole, physically stronger, and so societies have generally been oriented around patriarchal or male-oriented as protector and provider, etc. And the scriptures come to us historically in such a context, but we certainly understand uh, that our mothers, our wives, our, our daughters, our sisters are fully included in the plans and purposes of God as equal partners in the covenants and promises of grace. So that being said, uh, let, let's go forward uh, with this essential uh, of the Reformed tradition, this essential tenet about the covenant life within the church, covenant life in the church. So yesterday talking about the church as a covenant community, um, a binding, bound together uh, in our relationship with God, God obligates himself to us. We are obligated to him. God makes promises and will deliver. And we have responsibilities that we are called to fulfill. The community is the sense of us, our father who art in heaven, right? Not my father, but our father who art in heaven. And so our creeds affirm something about the church. Uh, Apostles' Creed, Nicene Creed, uh, we're, we're used to the language of the Apostles' Creed. Uh, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. The Nicene Creed talks about one Holy Catholic Apostolic Church, okay? So similar, but it kind of expands the language. Holy means that it's set apart, uh, it's consecrated, it's defined by God. 
Um, it's identified by God. We're going to talk about this, signs of participation in the covenant community. And so the, the, the church is a set-apart institution. It's not holier than thou. Any, any church member, any Christian who believes they're better than others is not understanding the word holy. Holy simply means set-apart, consecrated. So God sets Abraham's family apart, chooses them, calls them, privilege and responsibility, elect for salvation and service. We've talked about it. Catholic is a word that gets a lot of folks in the Protestant community and, and I've had a lot of conversations at Greenwich over the years. Catholic is just an old-timey word that means universal. A holy, universal church, which speaks to all Christians everywhere throughout all time, okay? The Nicene Creed talks about one church. So there's only one church. There's not the Presbyterian Church and the Methodist Church and the Baptist Church and the Catholic Church and the Lutheran Church. There is one church that shows in many expressions, okay? So the denominations are but families within a larger family. So imagine if your great-grandparents were still living, you would have great-grandparents who live in Poughkeepsie, let's say, <laughs> And then your grandparents might also be living. Let's just say you're blessed to have your grandparents are living and they live in California and in Florida, okay? And then your parents, okay? Uh, your, your parents are living in, let's just put them out there in the Midwest. They're living in Kansas City, okay? And then you've got siblings, right, who are living in different places. And so you've got one family that shows up in many different houses and different traditions and your great-grandparents may still eat you know uh, liver and onions at thanksgiving and you're going oh my goodness you know you have to have brisket at thanksgiving and you know your grandparents go you have to have turkey and ham at thanksgiving and so there are different traditions <laughs> that wrap around the celebrations but the celebration is still happening and so think of the denominations that way and so there is but one church and all Christians everywhere throughout time and space are bound together. We are one uh, body. Again, one holy, talked about that. Catholic, apostolic means founded upon the teachings of the apostles, okay? And so as these scriptures bear witness to Jesus Christ, as these scriptures bear witness to the purposes and plans of God, and so the church is called to a certain set of activities, a certain kind of life, shared life uh, in community, a shared life in witness and in service uh, to uh, the world. And so our <clears throat> so this covenant life in the church, uh, we talk about it in this Reformed tradition, there are things that we share with all Christians everywhere throughout all time. And so this means that we're one with our Lutheran friends and our Baptist friends and our Episcopalian friends and our Anglican friends and our Roman Catholic friends and our Orthodox friends and our non-denominational friends. And this means we are one even with those in our own parent denomination with whom we may differ on some beliefs and practices and priorities. Again, maybe a little plug, if you haven't already, if you would be so kind as to complete one of our congregational surveys, you can easily find it online. 
go to the church uh, website. You'll see right on the right-hand side, Congregational Survey. Click there, and you can, you know, go, go, go to town. Um, even as we are struggling with our sense of alignment with, it does not mean we are no longer in fellowship with. You know, we don't worship in Lutheran churches. We don't worship in Catholic churches. We don't worship in Baptist churches. We may periodically do that if we're visiting or for a funeral or wedding. But there are different practices, different beliefs, different priorities in the different families, okay? Different family or denominational traditions. And so just want to affirm when we're talking about covenant life in the church, it's not like we're a special little club and we Presbyterians have it figured out and we at Greenwich really have it figured out. No, we are one. We affirm the unity of the church. There is but one body of Christ. And so anything I say today, yesterday, today, tomorrow, in the future, anything we walk through together, if we do realign and all that, we are still one with all Christians everywhere. And so I wanna, wanna uh, underscore that, emphasize that. So, okay, <clears throat> so now this covenant life, you've got a covenant community that's set apart, it is consecrated. It must be identified somehow, okay? And so how does one know if you are in that community or not? Just by walking into a church building, are you now a member of the covenant community? Have you made that covenant commitment? And so um, uh, yesterday, you know, posted on the website, our covenant of membership talked about that. That is something where somebody at Greenwich stands and speaks and they affirm. So out of their own mouth, they affirm these beliefs and these practices and priorities and I'm in. Okay, so this there's a way of identifying. Um, golly, just about every organization, you know, you might pay a membership fee. Uh, you might go through some initiation ritual. Um, there's different ways that we identify and define who is a part of this community and um, kind of going alongside that, who is not part of this community. So... <clears throat> there are signs of the covenant. And so there's an old covenant and a new covenant. And so the, the, the signs of the covenant, we call them sacraments also in the, in, the, in the church context. But these signs are outward indicators. They're an outward identifying um, activity or experience or event that identifies the person who has gone through this is now a part of this community. And so... They, they both, uh, the signs of the covenant both identify and they also signal an entrance into that community. So there's identifying or, or the, the, the uh, sign of welcome or entrance into the community. And then there's the sign of the ongoing participation. You show up to the annual convention, right? You know, you, you offer the, the, the special handshake, you know, depending if it's a fraternity or sorority or some other social organization, there's something that happens that identifies that person. In the Old Covenant, uh, in the, so the Old Testament, uh, with Abraham and Moses and David and the like, in the Old Covenant, the sign of entrance or identity is that of circumcision for the male. Okay, the eight-day-old male is circumcised, okay? Well, what about the women? Again, as I shared earlier uh, in our psalm, women are included by relationship with the father, with the husband, etc. okay? And so it's just the way it is. 
Okay, we don't, we don't discount the scriptures, but this is how the scriptures are revealed to us. And so, in the Old Covenant, the sign of identity and entrance into that community is circumcision. The ongoing sign of participation is Passover. Okay? And so the Passover meal is what identifies God's people as participating in this community. There are other signs, the, the sign of the Sabbath, uh, the sign of temple worship, and so there are other signs, but these two in particular are significant because they kind of come, well, they do come through into the new covenant with Jesus. And so the sign of entrance into the new covenant that Jesus establishes no longer circumcision for only the male, it is now baptism for male and female, okay? And so baptism becomes the sign of entrance. It's the identifying mark for one who is now a, a, a member of that community, of the covenant community, the church. And then the Lord's Supper, or what we often call communion, some may know it as Eucharist, the Lord's Supper and communion is the ongoing sign of participation. So circumcision happened once, Passover happens repeatedly. Baptism happens once, the Lord's Supper happens repeatedly. So a sign of entrance and a sign of ongoing participation, okay? And so this is significant. <clears throat> Not everybody who attends church believes. Not everyone who attends church has come to grips with this identifying reality of being identified as a follower of Jesus Christ. Not everybody who attends church should receive communion. Everybody who attends church is welcome to receive communion, but only if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, right? And so, <clears throat> and so one of the reasons, uh, one of the primary reasons we do baptize children in the Presbyterian church, because our Baptist friends do not and others will not um, baptize children. They wait till a person is of certain age and then they have to make their own profession of faith. It's one of those points of disagreement within the larger church family, okay? And so we disagree and differ on that, and that's what defines one denomination apart from another. Uh, that's one of those, uh, those beliefs. But what we see is in the same way, I'll do this in red, in the same way that circumcision is administered upon a child based on the identity and faith and belief and practice of their parents, so in the Presbyterian church, we see that it's appropriate to present a child for baptism based on the, the identity, beliefs, uh, and practices of the parents, okay? And so believing parents may present their child for baptism. We don't see that as inappropriate. It's a sign, we believe, that God loves us and reaches out to us as an involved in our lives before we're aware of him, right? So in the Old Covenant, the child, the eight-day-old child, has no knowledge of God. In the, in the Presbyterian tradition, a child who would be baptized may have no awareness at all of who God is, but God still loves that child and is involved in shepherding that child through their parents. So that's the primary reason we, um, uh, we, we baptize children. Now, 
you can be baptized as an adult if you've not been baptized as children. So we do baptize uh, adults and we baptize by immersion. We just do not believe that baptism by immersion going all the way under the water is required. Again, a place of disagreement within the church family. Um, and then, of course, we see the Passover meal. I've already talked about this before and uh, done this on Sunday mornings. It was the Passover meal that Jesus was sitting at with his disciples when he said, do this Passover meal, take this bread, this cup. So that was part of the ritual meal, remembering the Exodus event uh, as Moses delivered. God, uh, through Moses, delivered the people of Israel out of uh, Egyptian slavery through the Red Sea. So in the same way, Jesus took that meal and reinterprets it. It says, do this in remembrance of me. No longer in remembrance of Moses. That, 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 that cup that may remember the shed blood of the lamb is no longer that lamb. It's now the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so the Lord's Supper is a reinterpreted Passover meal. It has been filled full of meaning. It's a fulfilled Passover meal. And so, uh, so how does one know that you are part of this covenant community, part of the Holy Catholic Church, the Holy Catholic Apostolic uh, Community? Have you been baptized? Do you regularly participate in the Lord's Supper? I'm not sure if I've been baptized or not. If you're not sure, please reach out. Let's speak. Baptism is that outward sign that publicly identifies this person as a member of the covenant community. The Lord's Supper is that ongoing sign that says, I continue in this uh, pilgrim path. I am on this way. I, I'm an active member participating in the life of this covenant community known as the church, believing in Jesus Christ, receiving his life uh, into my life. You know, that the symbolic reality of taking the, the body and blood of Jesus into our own lives, that, this, that Christ is in me. I am in Christ and Christ is in me. And so, and so how does one know? Well, are you baptized? And do you regularly take communion? You say, well, I've been baptized, but I don't regularly take communion. I haven't been to church in a while, and, you know, I just don't fiddle with it on those, you know, I'm watching church from home. And on communion Sundays, I don't, you know, get bread and, 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 and some grape juice or wine. And to you, I'd say, do that. And I, what I would say is come to church. <laughs> come be embodied. Come be with us um, as we take communion. And so anyway, just wanted to talk about that. Let me... Let me go ahead and I uh, just wanted to read one portion of our um, Covenant Life in the Church um, document, the Essential Tenet document. Jesus prays that his followers will all be one, and so we both pray and work for the union of the church throughout the world. Even where institutional unity does not seem possible, that's the denominational differences, right? Even where institutional unity does not seem possible, we are bound to other Christians as our brothers and sisters. In Christ, the dividing wall of hostility created by nationality, ethnicity, gender, race, and language differences is brought down. God created people so that the rich variety of his wisdom might be reflected in the rich variety of human beings, and the church must already now begin to reflect the reality, the eschatological reality, that's that end times reality, the final reality of people from every tribe and tongue and nation 
bringing the treasures of their kingdoms into the new city of God. So it's very full and rich language there. And so we're talking about the unity of the church, all who are baptized, all who come to table. And I regret that in our Roman Catholic uh, uh, friends, we are not permitted. As Protestants, we are not permitted to come to the table. I I think that's a mistake. Um, I respect. Uh, So whenever I'm at a Catholic mass, um, some mention will be made of that. If you are not a faithful Catholic and not been to confession, please, you know, if you were part of the, I think the language for Protestants is separated brethren, you are invited to come forward for a blessing and you're, we're asked to uh, make the, the, the kind of cross like this, cross our arms, and then the priest will, will offer prayer. And I do that, but I do that as a sign that, hey, I'm here, <laughs> Um and so it's a gentle nudge towards the, the sad reality that I'm not welcome at your table. And I can't understand that. I'm a follower and believer in Jesus Christ. Why would I not be welcome at, at the table of, of the Lord? And so that's one of those places of institutional reality where there's still differences that, that do not reflect the unity of the body of Christ. But um, so we, we affirm this covenant life in the church. Going to talk one more time tomorrow uh, one more thing, uh, a, a nice, um, it'll be an interesting discussion. We'll, we'll say it that way. And so I hope, hope you'll tune in uh, on Thursday. Okay, Let, let's close with prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for these signs that help us understand that we are part of your holy Catholic apostolic community. And we affirm our unity with all Christians everywhere throughout space and time. Lord, help us to live more fully into that reality, even with those that we may differ with or who may differ and disagree with us. And so, Father, we give ourselves this day to living faithfully uh, as those whom you have set apart uh, for salvation and for service in the world. And so hear our prayer as we make it in the name of Jesus, the only head of the church who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, may Jesus Christ, the living head of the church, fill you with his spirit, his grace, his truth, his life, his love, his compassion, his joy, this day and forevermore. Amen.